What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, and I am your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, and also at EthosFantasyBB. Those are the two accounts where all of our baseball and fantasy baseball content gets sent out through, so please make sure you are following over there. If you're somebody interested in producing content, we are still hiring people here. Whether it be writers, podcasters, blurbers, we are interested in a lot of different positions, and not just in baseball as well, basketball, football, hockey, soccer. If you're interested in breaking into the sports industry, the fantasy sports industry, then please do send myself or Dan Bespris a DM. If you're not following Dan, at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Reach out to one of us. We have a ton of positions open, and we'll see uh, we can get you in touch with the right people. But today, we are going to be continuing with our shortstop breakdowns from 2022. We're mixing in a little bit of 2023 uh, forecasting as well, but the, the main purpose of these shows is to look back on what happened over this 2022 season. Where were these guys being drafted and a first look at kind of where we're going to be drafting these guys next year. This is the third shortstop show. The first one was our elite group, our top performers, your Trey Turners, your Francisco Lindors, your Boba Shets. The second show, which we did on Friday, was more the disappointing class of shortstops, uh, Fernando Tatis who didn't even play, so I mean, he's disappointing by default. Um, Wander Franco, Adalberto Mondesi, Javi Baez, that group of guys was the second video, and I was debating the the order of these, but I think that doing those guys before some of these later on names makes some more sense because, you know, you're talking about elite guys and then some, some mid-tier guys and then back to some elite potential guys anyway, not that they were elite this year, but I wanted to keep it more – Keep the top with the top, and then we'll work our way generally down the board here. So today we're going to be talking about more mid-round kind of targets. Now there's one or two of these guys who might push up fairly high next season. But for the most part, they should be going uh, in the middle rounds. And we're going to start off today with Ahmed Rosario, who was honestly a savior for a lot of my teams. He might push up even higher than I'm expecting him to. I think he'll probably settle in close to pick 100. But if looking back from this previous season... <clears throat> excuse me, he was the 235th pick by ADP over on Yahoo and 165 on the NFBC. He gave you 86 runs, 11 homers, 71 ribbies, 18 steals in a 283 batting average. Pretty similar to what he did the year before. A couple more runs, a couple more ribbies, and a couple more steals, but generally in line with what he did uh, the season before. Now, I can't remember if he was really playing at all in the outfield. I want to just take a look at his uh, baseball reference page here because he did have the eligibility this season. I'm not sure he will retain it. Uh, let's see here. He played six times in left field. So I think he'll keep it on Yahoo. I believe um, I'm going to have to refamiliarize myself with the way that those work year in and year out. He won't have it on NFBC, and I'm not even sure he had it on NFBC uh, this year. Let me just see. Baseball reference is being a pain today. Uh, he played 18 times in center field last season. I don't think he did have it on the NFBC. Let me just quickly look. Yeah, he was just a shortstop. He had shortstop and outfield on Yahoo. I think he'll probably keep the shortstop, uh, but that's depending on if rules change. I don't know uh, going year to year. I know in season, it's five uh, starts at a position and you get the eligibility or 10 just general appearances. You know, you come in in the eighth inning, that's an appearance. But if you start five times, you, you get it. So I'm not sure exactly how that'll work for him going into next year with only six. But for sure, if you're playing NFBC, he's just going to be a shortstop. It wouldn't affect how I feel about him too much. Uh, Cleveland was kind of a sneaky team offensively this season. There were a lot of guys who you wouldn't have really thought would have been terribly great values. Heading into the season, you know, fantasy-wise, and you, know, you can go back and look at old podcasts, the only guy we were really recommending here and that most people would have been recommending on Cleveland for the most part, and, you know, 
later rounds things changed, but it, it was Jose Ramirez. And outside of him, it's kind of can't really rely on anybody for fantasy purposes anyway. But we got value out of Rosario, Ramirez, Quan, Andres Jimenez, Josh Naylor. Uh, we had some Oscar Gonzalez love later in the season. Uh, Owen Miller was kind of a decent name earlier in the season, and then he, he fell off the way we were expecting to. But re- regardless, they won 92 games. They were one of the better offensive teams, not even, I don't think, stat-wise. Like, they were pretty good. Sixth in hits, sixth in average, 12th in on-base, 21st in slugging. They were 29th in home runs in the majors this season. Kind of a mixed bag, but guys like Rosario, who weren't going to blow you away statistically, but still have really, really great seasons, were the reason why Cleveland was able to have success this season. 86 runs, 71 RBIs out of your shortstop. That's that's really good, objectively really good. The 11 home runs is fine. It's what he did last year. It's probably generally what he's going to be giving you. Not going to be, I don't think, too far above or below that. I think probably we're going to see him top out at maybe 15, 17 home runs would be the most I would hope for. Uh, in terms of the steals, I think we can see him hit 20 steals. We saw him hit 24 of them in 2018. So can he give you... Something like 75, 80 runs to go along with 75 or 80 RBIs. Maybe that's pushing it a little bit too high. Let's call it 70 RBIs, 15 homers, 20 steals, and somewhere in the 270, 280 neighborhood. I think that he's going to be a pretty valuable asset at shortstop. He's not somebody that I think will be going too high. And what I will do actually right now, I might as well. I haven't really done this so much yet. I've done it with a couple of players, but I want to take a look at where he's going in drafts that are taking place uh, right now for next season because there are still some drafts, and the ADP is kind of a little bit wild on those drafts. From what I've seen, there's some players who are – one draft, the, the minimum pick will be really low, and then the maximum pick will be you know 150 picks above it. So this is not the be-all, end-all data. Let me just see where he is going uh, 123rd is his ADP. He is the 20th shortstop off the board in these early drafts. I think it's probably a pretty good bargain there, honestly. If you're going to get him at 123, I would have said probably around pick 100 is where I would really have started aiming for him, 100 and beyond. And you could even make the argument that he could be a top 100 player. He was the 66th ranked guy on Yahoo. You could make the argument that he should go somewhere at the back end of the top 100. If he stays around this 123 range, I'll be pretty happy with it. His minimum pick is 110, and the maximum pick, the latest that he was allowed to fall in any draft, was 138. I think that I'm probably going to be in on him around this range. Even losing the outfield, it's not the biggest of deals to me. I'll stick him in at shortstop. Shortstop is a deep position, so there are so many different strategies. We've talked about a lot of strategies here for different positions, second base and third base. There's... Not that many guys, so you can either go for one at the top, one of the best guys, or speculate later on. That's generally how it works for for those middle, not middle, second and third. That's how those positions, I tend to look at them from fantasy. You can take a guy who is right at the top, or you can kind of speculate later on. There's a couple of mid-round names for sure, but with shortstop, you're looking at probably 30-plus guys that you would feel pretty comfortable drafting, probably close to 30. I think 30, honestly, looking at the 30th guy off the board is Tyro Estrada. 30 shortstops, so you can feel fairly comfortable drafting all in this range going above him. Obviously, different levels of certainty with different guys, but it's a very deep position. So you don't need to be reaching too high up. You can go for a Tatis or a Trey Turner or a Boba Shad or whatever. But when guys like Rosario are sitting there at pick 123, uh, it's hard to not be interested. If you're in a 12-team draft, I mean, you're getting the guy in round 10. Maybe you get him in round 11, round 12, anywhere in this kind of range post-pick 100 for Rosario I think I'm going to be pretty in on him heading into next season. But let's keep it going. Let's talk about another shortstop here, Jeremy Pena. And I want to start off by saying how incredible it is that the Astros let go of Carlos Correa 
And some people, that wasn't many people, I think we all kind of figured they'd be okay, but a lot of people thinking, eh, a bit of a hole at shortstop there. Well, the truth is that Pena was just about as good as what you got from Carlos Correa. Certainly from a fantasy perspective, Correa was ranked a few spots ahead of him. But, I mean, Pena was, I think, just as good, if not better. Their stats were almost exactly the same. 72 runs for Pena versus 70 for Correa. They both hit 22 homers. Correa had one more RBI. Now, the big difference here is that Pena stole 11 bases, but his batting average was 38 points lower than Correa. So depending on how you value that, 38 batting points versus 11 steals, I think I'll personally take the 11 steals over the course of the season. I I, I don't know. That's, that's where I stand on it. Maybe you'll think differently depending on how your teams were made up and whatnot. But Jeremy Pena was just about as good as what you were getting from Carlos Correa. And I think heading into next season, he'll be somebody that I'm a little more interested in drafting than Carlos Correa. That could change if Correa goes to a really great team because he's going to opt out, or he already did opt out of his contract. If he goes to an incredible lineup, like, you know, Trey Turner leaves Los Angeles, Carlos Correa goes to Los Angeles or something like that, I don't really think so, given their history. Those, I mean, Correa versus the Dodgers there, I know there's a bit of bad blood, if you guys remember that. I don't know if that's likely, but if a situation like that does come up where he goes to an incredible offense, then maybe we push him above Pena. But as of right now, Jeremy Pena, coming off his rookie season of 22 homers, 11 steals, and a 253 average in probably the best lineup in baseball, right up there anyway, uh, it's hard not to want to be in on Jeremy Pena. Now, coming into this season, he was pretty undervalued. We didn't know what we were going to be getting out of him, obviously, so it's hard. maybe he wasn't undervalued. Maybe he was properly valued. Uh, 219 was his ADP on Yahoo and 436 over on the NFBC. Now, while I have that, the ADPs for this season, let me just see where he's going in these early drafts among shortstop. 21st, he's actually going one spot behind Ahmed Rosario, about five picks. And if you're interested, he's going about seven picks behind Carlos Correa right now. So people are still, even given the uncertainty about where Correa is going to go, they're taking him above Pena. I don't agree with that. I don't think that you can... Maybe you, maybe you just want the batting average. You want a little bit of higher batting average. Other than that, we have to assume, not that development is linear, but that Pena will get a little bit better next season, whereas we know exactly what we're getting with Correa. We know we're getting 20 and 65, zero steals and a 285, 290 batting average. Pena could be 30 home runs next season. I don't think it's terribly likely, but 22 as a rookie, I don't think it's impossible. You know, he could give you 30 home runs and 15 steals and bat 260. And I don't think there's any way that Correa is going to be doing that. Now, maybe he doesn't hit 30. Maybe he still sticks around 20 homers. But maybe the runs and the RBIs go up a little bit more. I have more faith in general taking Pena than I do Correa. And maybe I shouldn't be directly comparing them. But considering he is his replacement, it's hard not to directly compare them. I think this is a bargain. I think this is a bargain. I pick 128. The same way it is with Ahmed Rosario. Now, Pena was 134 on terms of how Yahoo ranked him for the season. But 128, that still feels very correct. Now, what I was talking about earlier is this wide range we have for ADPs. People, and the wide range in terms of minimum and maximum draft pick, really, which is contributing to kind of some funky ADPs a little bit, maybe. So with Pena, the highest that somebody's picked him so far is 87th. The lowest that he fall or that he fell was 156th. So people aren't really sure about where to take him. If he does fall somewhere in this 130 kind of range, I think that I'm going to be pretty damn interested. Him and Rosario sitting around this this general point, I think that their skill sets are going to be fairly similar. You're going to be getting, I mean, maybe some more home runs with Pena. Maybe you get a few more steals with Rosario, but I think you're getting something kind of similar, and they're both going to be guys like shortstop 20 and 21 off the board. I'm going to be pretty interested in taking them, assuming their prices don't jump up so much. These two guys, 
I'd be I'd be pretty damn invested in, assuming we're still getting them around 12 or 13 or whatever it's going to end up being. Nico Horner is the next guy we're going to talk about. A godsend. Like, there's no way for me to describe him this season other than a godsend for my teams. He helped me win a couple of leagues. Where, the leagues where I won, actually, I had him on both of my teams. Uh, so it was 60 runs, 10 homers, 55 ribbies, 20 steals, and a 281 batting average. It's hard to say what the most surprising part of it was with Nico Horner. I think probably the home runs, although 20 steals. I wasn't expecting 20 steals either. Uh, the highest he'd had before was five. The most home runs he'd had before was three. So tripling his home run total, quadrupling the steals, batting 280 still. I mean, he was 302 last year, uh, the shortened season, kind of throw it away because, I mean, didn't have a proper time to warm up there. 48 games, didn't have a time to really ramp himself up. He batted 222 in his first season. It was only 20 games, but he batted 282. It's all evened out. I know that was a bit of mumbo-jumbo there, but he's batted 277 over his career. If he can do something like that, and give you some kind of similar line to what he did this season, 10 home runs, 15 to 20 steals, I'd be very interested. Now, will he give you that kind of power year in and year out? There are people who are a lot smarter than I am who've said he's made some changes with the swing and his mechanics, and they think that he can continue to give you, you know, 8, 10, 12 home runs or something, nothing crazy, but certainly better than the zeros that he'd given you in the couple previous years. Before this season, he did not have a home run since 2019. Now, I'm a lot more confident in the batting average sticking than in the other stats, especially given that lineup. I mean, home runs and steals aren't dependent on your lineup, really. I mean, steals maybe a little bit. But I'm not really going to be so sold on him having a ton of runs or RBIs next season, which it's not something you can really forecast so much. They do tend to vary. We saw Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero have crazy high run and RBI numbers, and they came down quite a bit this season while still being on a good offense. Now, when you look at a guy like Horner, who's going to be on a bad offense, can he get 55 RBIs again? Probably going to be batting, you know, at the top of that order, I would think. Maybe they keep him down in the middle, but I think that he is someone who will probably fit closer to the top of that order long term. And I just want to see where they had him uh, in the order this season. Because I know it was fifth and sixth a lot of the time, but I do feel like he did bat at the top uh, here and there as well. Let me just pull up the fan graphs here. And let's see. So he was second nine times, fourth three times. Majority of the time he was fifth and sixth, but there was a couple times he was batting second. He was all over the place, really. I think if he is announced before the season, we know like Nico Horner is going to be our leadoff hitter kind of thing, kind of announcement from the Cubs. That would make me a lot more confident that he can give you more runs than we're expecting. Uh, RBIs are probably not going to be big regardless of where he's batting. And I, I, I don't know, I'm a little bit worried about the steals and the home runs sticking to this degree. i got to be honest. I really like Nico Horner, but he's not somebody I'm going to be reaching too high for. Now, you didn't have to reach for him this year at all. 238 on Yahoo, one of the last picks in the draft, and 522 on the NFBC. Now, let me just pull up. I didn't even plan on doing this beforehand, but now that I've got the page here, and maybe they're going to refresh it for me. No, it's, it's going to be there still. Let's see where he's being drafted this season. I bet it's pretty low. 163. He is the 26th shortstop off the board this season, 163.9. So let's call it 164. Now he's another guy where there's a big discrepancy between the minimum pick and the maximum pick. 125 is the lowest he's gone off the board, and the farthest he's fallen is 202. I mean, Christ, if you can get him after pick 200, he's a no-brainer at that point. But I think anywhere in this kind of range would be generally acceptable. 125 is probably the high end of that acceptable range, but... Let's call it 140, 150 to 200. I think that that's where I'm going to be trying to grab Nico Horner because I still think there is some upside. 
I still think that if he gives you something similar to what he did this season, then that's going to be a bargain. Let's call it, even if he goes back a little bit and call it eight home runs and 15 steals, there is still value to be had there, especially with his batting average, probably the 270, 280 range. And like we said, if he is batting leadoff for the Cubs, which I think is a possibility, I think it's something they should explore given you know his, his decent speed and high batting average. I think that that would make me a bit more interested in him. So right now, I'm thinking this is probably a decent range, 160, even maybe 150, and then going up anywhere later than that, obviously, is kind of gravy. But if you can get him like somebody did here at pick 202, that would make me very, very happy. There are some big discrepancies here that we have seen in terms of the minimum and the maximum pick. The biggest one that's jumping off the board at me right now is Dansby Swanson. We've talked about him already, but someone took him as pick 21 in a draft. There was another draft where he fell to 87. O'Neill Cruz went at 47 in one draft. There was another draft where he fell to 110. People don't know what the hell's going on right now in terms of where they should be drafting players. We have five, six months of offseason where people could get injured. People could retire. People could pick up lawn bowling and say we're not playing baseball anymore. We have no idea what the hell's going to happen. So there is certainly a lot of risk drafting right now. I think taking O'Neill Cruz at 47 is a little wild, but it just goes to show you that there's not a hell of a lot of consensus with ADP, and if you are drafting right now or in the next week or so, there is still probably a lot of value that you can make up just from maybe listening to some podcasts, looking at articles, following along on Twitter, seeing which guys are undervalued, and you should be able to do pretty well for yourself. Actually, as a side note, I'm going to be doing my first actual NFBC draft next Saturday in Arizona at first pitch. I know I've, I talked about the NFBC quite a bit. That's because a lot of people in the industry enjoy NFBC content. They play on the NFBC. So I try and sprinkle in some NFBC stuff as well as the Yahoo. Now, next year, I'm going to join their ranks. I am drafting a draft champions, which is where you draft 50 players at the beginning of the season. You hold them all year. No in-season moves. I think you set your lineup once a week. Maybe it's twice a week, but I think it's once a week. And then that's it. You have to just pick a deep enough pool of guys who have potential to move up throughout the season and, you know, fill in for injury replacements, yada, 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 and hope that those 50 guys are able to bring you the chip heading into next season. It's kind of crazy. I forget how much the entry fee is. I think it's 100, 150. I'm really not sure. <clears throat> it's going to be more for the experience. I think it's probably going to end up as being more of a donation to the NFBC. But I'm going to want to get this, this early draft bug out of me. I've been talking so much about drafts and what I want to do, and I'm just going to put my money where my mouth is. <clears throat> so... I'm going to be talking about that on next week's shows. We'll probably do some live uh, podcasts from Arizona. Possibly. We'll see exactly what goes down. I'm not sure yet. But all of that to say is there are drafts going on right now. There is early value that you can take advantage of with certain players, like Nico Horner at 202. That is ridiculous. You know, uh, even Ahmed Rosario, if you're getting him in the late 130s, Jeremy Pena, 150, 160, there is a lot of value. So make sure you're looking at these ADP numbers, they are important, I think. You see what the top players, the players who are putting a lot of money down on the line, those two things don't always go hand in hand. But generally, the high-stakes players on the NFBC tend to know what they're doing a little bit more than your average ESPN or Yahoo or CBS or Fantrax fantasy player. It's just the brass tacks. When you're putting a lot of money in, you're probably not going to put a ton of money into a league unless you really know what you're talking about, or at least generally know what you're talking about. So when you see those numbers... You think, okay, these guys, they kind of know what they're doing. The other end of that spectrum is these massive gaps we see in the ADP numbers. So there is value. that There is value to be found on these draft boards. Maybe you're drafting with a group where it's not such a big group of experts. You can use these NFBC rankings. Not necessarily you're using 
the NFBC platform, but look at where these guys are being drafted and say, okay, Ahmed Rosario just went at 75 in my draft. That's really high. He's not going there in many other places. I wanted him, but you know, at that price, I'm not going to be taking him. It's 170 in your draft, and Nico Horner is still sitting there. You say, shit, Nico Horner, he's gone as high as you know 125. His ADP is 163. I think we're sitting here at 170, and I think he's going to be a good investment at this price based on what a lot of the players around me are doing. That is not to say that you just you know throw your own logic out the window and look at what other people are doing, but generally, this is, can be a kind of a confusing time for, for the best fantasy players out there because of these massive discrepancies. So just kind of generally keeping tabs on the trends this time of year are really important. Get you ahead of the curve. It's like gambling, you know, getting ahead of a betting line. You get ahead of these lines that are going to increase. We've talked about Fernando Tatis, how his ADP is going to go up this year. It was at 38 last week when we did the, the Thursday show, which was when we started shortstops. 38. Now we're five days later, it's at 33. So that's going to keep just going up and up. You've got to stay ahead of the market here a little bit and keep tabs on what's going on in terms of these ADP numbers. Tangent over, tangent completed, but I do think that that is honestly really probably the most important piece of information we're going to get off in this episode. So we'll keep it going here, but just keep in mind, you know, follow these numbers, follow these trends. Anyway, let's keep it going. Elvis Andrews, he's the next guy we're going to talk about. And I did not think I'd be talking about Elvis Andrews heading into these, I mean, just, you know, thinking about off-season content in June, July, and August. and like, who are we going to talk about? What are we going to talk about? I didn't expect Elvis Andrews to be someone that we talk about. But here we are. He had 66 runs, 17 homers, and 18 steals, which is just an incredible combo for him. 58 RBIs and a 249 batting average. Now, last season, he had three home runs. He had 12 steals, 243 average, 37 RBIs, and 60 runs. He was down across the board from what he did this season. And once he went to Chicago, he was kind of the replacement for Tim Anderson because Tim Anderson was in and out of the lineup this season. He was a godsend for them. Not that it really ended up mattering, but in his 43 games as a White Sox, nine homers, 11 steals, 28 RBIs, and he batted 271. He was somebody who likely won people their leagues. If you added up Elvis Andrews in the last two months of the season, if he was on your team, then you likely did pretty well, came away with some money. We hadn't seen a season like this from him I mean, I guess 2019, you could kind of say, was kind of similar there. That was the last time we really saw him do anything kind of similar to this. 2020, was he didn't play a lot. 2021 looked like we were kind of done with Elvis Andrews, and it looked like he was, he was never coming back. Three homers, 12 steals, 243 average. And people were drafting him this year expecting nothing. You know, he wasn't even, he didn't even have an ADP on Yahoo. It was 632 on the NFBC. He's not somebody without looking for next season. We'll take a look now, but... As I pull it up, he's not somebody that I'm going to be interested in drafting at his age. All the mileage on him and the fact that this was kind of a bit of a miracle season. Uh, we have talked about that. We've used that phrase a few times. It was a bit of a miracle season for him. Is he going to steal 18 bases again for you? I very much doubt it. 11 of them came in 43 games. In the 106 with Oakland beforehand, he only stole seven. Is he going to hit you 17 home runs again? Well, he's only ever passed the 10 home run mark three times. So... The odds of him doing it again here, I think they're not the greatest if we're being honest with ourselves. Some people will look at him and say he's going to be a big value for next season. I don't really see that. Let me pull up his ADP. It's probably not that high. 342. I just want to make sure I have the settings right. Yep, this is for next season, 342. People are still not buying in. I'm glad to see that. Maybe you take a flyer, you know, especially in one of those formats, those draft champions. You take them. I don't know, in your 30th round or something like that. Maybe there is some playing time. I don't expect there to be a lot. I expect a healthy Tim Anderson. I 
think th- – let me just check his contract situation, actually, because there's a chance that Elvis Andrews might be a free agent. And then if he leaves, I mean, it wouldn't really change much, but certainly as a backup for Tim Anderson, there's not going to be a hell of a lot of value there. Uh, he is an unrestricted free agent as of right now. So he goes back to the White Sox. Not going to be a huge fan about drafting him. If he leaves and maybe he gets full-time shortstop playing time somewhere else, then we can talk about him being a late-round draft pick in certain deeper formats. But in your standard 10- and 12-team leagues on Yahoo next season, there's going to be no need whatsoever to draft Elvis Andrews. We don't need to spend too much time on him. Let's move on to Jorge Mateo. Jorge Mateo was somebody that I wasn't really big on when everybody was adding him. I thought... There is some value here, but the batting average really worried me. The lack of the other general stats kind of worried me other than steals, but he made kind of a fool out of me and a lot of people this season. The big reason why, obviously, was the 35 stolen bases, and this is kind of a polarizing topic uh, fantasy-wise. I know Brad Johnson, who's been on this show before, he was not a big fan of Mateo specifically for that reason, that steals do not outweigh the negative or relative lack of production in the other categories. But 35 steals at that point, you could be hitting 150 or 160 and have 35 steals and people will still roster you because it's just that hard to come by. The category really is. Now, maybe that would kill you over the season in a roto format and head-to-head, maybe you'd be a little more interested. But whatever you were playing this season, Jorge Mateo became a pickup. Regardless of your format, he batted 221, but that did not keep you away. It shouldn't have kept you away eventually. Maybe it did at first, like it did with me and some other people, but there came a point where you had to say, okay, he's hitting home runs. He's scoring runs. He's driving in a few. Like the, He became a serious value. He was the 167th overall player this season, coming from an ADP of 234 on Yahoo and 440 on the NFBC. He's kind of interesting to me for next season. I wouldn't be tripping over myself to go and grab him, but there's certainly a lot to like. He's able to play all over the field. Now, his eligibility heading into the season, I think, will just be shortstop, but that is something that has the ability to change. We've seen him play 23 games at second in his career. Uh, He's played the outfield 31 times. Uh, He played third nine times in his career. He can bounce around a little bit, and with the young guys coming up in Baltimore, they probably will need to bounce him around a little bit more. Maybe they just keep him at shortstop. I think he's a pretty solid defensive shortstop, but uh, it's hard to say where he'll play. I think he should have playing time, but the fact that he can play all over the field uh, should definitely work in his favor. The only position he's never played, well, catcher and first base. Every, other than that, he should be okay to slide in here and there. Now, in terms of his draft stock, let's just take a look real quick here. I can't imagine it's terribly high, but uh, let's see. Um, 169, pretty much right where he finished this season as 167. 169 is his draft pick on average. Now, he's another guy with a huge, huge range. 133 is the minimum pick. 212 is the maximum pick. Somewhere in the middle, like most of these guys, is probably going to lie the true answer at this point in the season. And I think that ADP probably makes a little bit of sense. 169, even like 150, I think, anywhere from 150 to like that, you know, obviously anything higher is better or anything, I guess, lower in this case, farther down the board is better. But I think anything beyond 150, you should be fairly confident in taking Mateo, even just on the back of those stolen bases. And he showed you this year he can hit you some home runs as well. I like what Baltimore is doing as a whole. I think they're going to be a pretty solid team. Maybe maybe they take another year to really develop before they're a really great team in that division. It's a tough division, but I like what they're doing. A lot of good pieces out there that should just contribute more to counting stats. And Jorge Mateo should be somebody that you at least consider going into those middle rounds. Not somebody that should be jumped upon. You know, you see him there, you have to take him. But you enter 150 and beyond. 
Uh, there's not many guys, if anybody, who has that same kind of stolen base upside. So keep an eye on uh, on Jorge Mateo's draft price because, hell, I mean, 133 to 212 is a hell of a range. We have to see where he ends up settling in. But as of now, I think I'm going to be kind of interested in him heading into next season. One more shortstop we will do today, and he is somebody who, I mean, if there's any Yankee fans listening, you might want to just shut the thing off right now because you guys do not like hearing about this guy. It is the kind falafel, as I have coined him, maybe somebody else did already, Isaiah Kiner Falefa. I think that the dude has some value, and I maybe I'm crazy for this. Maybe I'm skewed a little bit because I rostered him, not this, pre, not, not, eh, not this season that just happened, but the previous season where he was with Texas, where he had catcher eligibility, and he was a really good asset, specifically because he had that catcher eligibility. Now, just shortstop, it wasn't as great of a season for sure, but it wasn't a bad season still. And uh, same thing with Mateo. A lot of it comes back to the fact that he stole a lot of bases. 22 steals for Connor Falefa. He was a 211th ranked player this season, which is not going to blow you away. He's just one of those guys who's kind of a baseline. You know, keep him on your team. He's not going to do a hell of a lot for you, but the steals are worth it. The batting average is not bad. The runs and the RBIs are not great, but from a shortstop, they're not typically that great anyway. I mean, 66 runs, it's all right. 48 RBIs is definitely on the lower side, but I mean, for most of your shortstops, you're probably expecting in the 50-ish kind of range anyway, 50, 60. So it's not terrible. 22 steals is what is what gets me there. And I know the four home runs we glossed over, that's the big thing with him. He does not have a lot of power. It was eight home runs last year, four home runs this season. You're not taking him for power He'd be a late-round flyer for speed, pretty much. But he's somebody that I think should still be drafted, and we'll take a look where he's being drafted this season. I can't imagine it's anywhere worth a damn. Let's see. 363, and he has got a huge range between 269 and 406. That's the range where he has been drafted in so far in draft season. I think that probably anywhere in that range you're safe. I mean, if you take him at 270, there's not that much that can happen in terms of you know a negative 270 is probably about the floor for somebody who's going to steal you 15, 20 bases, hit 260. I mean, maybe they get rid of him. Maybe he goes to a different team. Uh, he is somebody that was definitely not, uh, did definitely not grow in the hearts of Yankee fans this season. They hated him. They hated the defense. I think he's probably more of a third baseman from what we've seen. But they had him at shortstop. He wants to be a shortstop, I think. And he was there. He didn't perform as well as he should have. I mean, in New York, hell, they were booing Aaron Judge in the playoffs. So, no one performs as well as those guys think they should have. But in terms of what he did for you from a fantasy point of view, if you had Connor Falefa, if you just held on to him, you probably weren't too disappointed this season. I mean, he was probably not somebody that you held on to unless you're talking, you know, a 15-teamer or even deeper. But if you had him and you look back at the end of the season, you say, you know, shit, this wasn't that bad. It really wasn't. 211th is not – there's guys with higher upside for sure. But if you're not trying to play the waiver game of, you know, bouncing in another guy in and out of your lineup every week, and you just want to stick with a guy like Connor Falefa, I think there should still be some value there. Specifically from his ADP, which is an afterthought at this point, if you can get him as one of your final picks or one of your mid to late round picks here, I don't have any problem with it. I think that it's a fine, fine move. Guys, that's going to wrap it up for us today. I really appreciate you guys continuing to check out the show during the offseason. That means a lot to me because there's not actual baseball going on. You guys are listening either just, you know, to get your fix of baseball or to listen to me talk, which I can't even believe that's possible. But if you are, thank you. I really appreciate it. Hit the five-star review button on the show. That's the best way to help us grow here throughout the offseason. People are not listening to as many baseball pods, but by hitting that five-star review button, leaving a couple of kind words in the comments there, it will help people to find the show. So I really appreciate you doing that if you haven't already. 
going and following over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. Honestly, forget about that one, though. Go for Ethos Fantasy BB. That's specifically the account we're trying to grow right now. I want to get it up over 200 followers. It's not doing a ton of numbers right now. I got to be honest, without the baseball season, it's hard for accounts to grow, uh, baseball accounts to grow. But go and throw a follow on there if you can. There will be a ton of articles, podcasts, and different tweets coming out from that account over these next six months and heading into next season, of course. So, guys, thank you for doing all those things. Thank you for listening to the show. We'll see you again tomorrow with one more shortstop show. We'll look at some of the lower round, later round flyers in terms of shortstops. And then we will move on to the outfield. Guys, thank you so much. Take care. We'll see you tomorrow. Cheers. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.